0: sanhedrin uh, twenty four Ch- of Alf this Perik talks about that Dayan has a certain arbitrary ability to judge in uh, beyond the formal rigidities of the law he can use his own intuition if you might you might say in a certain sense in a certain context as as we'll explain can use intuition intuition okay. yeah in a certain sense as, as we'll explain al fies l'don din mumnus. Adain has the right when it comes to monetary cases, not cases of, you know, other things, but monetary cases to judge based on what his opinion and his intuition, in, intuition says is true. He has a strong conviction that this is correct. Despite the fact there's no clear evidence. Needless to say, If he knows for certainty that's true, for example, he was in the viral shoal looking down in the main shoal. And no one knew he was there because he was being quiet. And he saw something transpire, and that's relevant to the case. And he said he knows for a fact it's true. He can judge based on what he knows to be true. Okay, the gives examples. said for example. Of course, it's all monetary cases. We're not talking about a case like where he has to determine if a shechted cow is kosher or not. Yeah. He can't use intuition. All right, so he, so he, he heard the conversation about monetary things. Right, for example. Harition is Chai Vadim Meshhuva Besdin. Let's say, for example, Adram gives his own example. If a person is chai of a shvu right? The guy someone says someone someone sues him for hundred dollars, and he confesses to owing only sixty and denies the other forty. So he's chai of a let's say, of partial admission. But mshu that slave a And a person who the dyan trusts, and he and the dyn relies on him. This person tells the, the judge, this guy is somebody who is suspect to make a false oath mm-hmm. because in the past he made a false oath or he's known to be somebody who's a, a sinner who therefore is disqualified from being a, a witness which is also disqualify him from making an oath. So, you know, all these scenarios. He's known to be, he's known to be a liar. So the yeah, or, or even if he's not known to be a liar, there's other transgressions that can make a person disqualified. So, so so the Diane doesn't have any evidence. If two witnesses told him, he has clear evidence. That's it. But here it's just his own his own. He, 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 it's like almost like hearsay. But the Dain relies on this person. He trusts him. At that point, the judge has the right to say instead of you swearing to defend yourself from paying the other forty dollars that, you, that you're denying because the guy is student for a hundred, he committed sixty, denied forty. Instead of you swearing to deny the forty, I'm going to have him, the other the person, swear that he, that you do owe him to extract the forty from you. I'll put the ball in his court. Now, needless to say, if two witnesses tell the dyin, this guy is a, a gambler, a sinner, he's not able to make a shvua. That would be irrelevant over here. There's no there's no witnesses. It's a dyin using this one individual, right? And the and therefore the dyin has the right to make this other person make the shvua, the, the plaintiff, and extract the money since the dying feels he can rely on this individual. now Even if the person who told him that this person is not qualified, not trustworthy when it comes to making an oath, is a person who is not qualified themselves to be a witness, right? Because, for example, they are a woman. A woman is not, is not, is not, is not a binding witness or a slave. But Since he is convinced that it's true, and the dying has the right to rely on him and judge in that matter. The Gemara describes, apparently, a scenario where Rova relied on his wife. She told him something and he trusted his wife and he used that to a similar concept. So we see that as an example from the Gemara. The Einzach, if the Dayan himself knows this guy is somebody who is suspect to lie and oath. Maybe no one else knows, but the Dayan knows. Another example. What happens if you have a case where someone is suing someone else for money, for example, and he has a... He has a a contract, right? <laughs> and he has a contract, right? So the guy says, the contract says, that I lent you $100, and you haven't paid me back yet. And... Um, so, so, so the other guy is obviously saying, I did pay you back already. It's someone who the dime relies on and he, again even not a not a proper witness a woman or a relative to the dying right a relative cannot be a witness right but he tells him zephru that this contract is paid the, the guy paid it back if for whatever reason didn't get didn't get the receipt If some if the judge relies on him and trusts him the judge has the right to tell the person who has the star the contract who wants money you cannot collect money from this guy unless you make an oath that he still owes you if the person who says that this star is paid was a kosher witness even one kosher witness. So then, the person holding the sh'tar would have the right to collect holding a, 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 a have the right to collect making a shavua. Here you he can do it, even if it's not a kosher witness, because the dine, you trust him. Or for example, let's say the guy, with two. there was a scenario where it was two. You had this situation over here, this scenario, and you had a situation where the same individual owes money to somebody else. So two people, both, have contracts that this guy owes him $100. Now, this guy doesn't have enough money to pay back both. Each one of them wants his money. So Diane has the right to say, you know what? This guy who has a contract that, you know, as far as we know, hasn't been paid back. It's, there's nothing blemished about the contract. He has the right to extract this guy's last $100. And this individual who over here, had, there's, a, there's a individual there's, there's a woman even tell, saying that it was payback back already. We'll leave that on the side. We're not gonna we're not gonna deal with that. Or let's say there's, there's only one star, but he still doesn't want it. He doesn't. The dying doesn't, doesn't trust it. The dying is not satisfied with the validity of the star on his own. Something something's bothering him about its validity. Because this woman said it was paid back already, right? And he doesn't, he doesn't want to la- allow this person to make a shvua. So instead, he says, you know what? So it's I, a false star. We don't know, with no idea. The Dayan suspects. And therefore, he has the right to say, you know what? I'm not going to accept the star. I'm not going to judge based on its validity. And it's going to be irrelevant. He doesn't have a right to tear the star up, mind you. He hasn't prove it's false. So this guy now has the right to go to a different court. Maybe they'll, they'll, they'll have no problem with it. That's fine. But this Dayan is allowed to say, I am going to cl- declare the star.'" Invalid for this case And that's legitimate Similarly have a case for example Where somebody passes away And this individual does not have a will to, to, to say who owns what Of his estate And this gentleman comes along and says That this guy who passed away There's a Rolex watch in his house That belongs to me I gave it to him to watch And he gives clear signs, there's a scratch in this part of the, you know, next to this number. So first of all, it seems clear he knows that the watch, what it looks like. So he sounds like he's saying something of substance. This guy who's saying that the Rolex is his wasn't somebody who was a frequent visitor in the house of the deceased. Because if he was, we could just say that, oh, that's why he knows what the Rolex looks like. He saw it so many times seems like he, he was there once, but not, not, not frequently. Now, if the Dayan knows, because remember, the, the kids are saying, what are you talking about? This is our father's Rolex, obviously, right? The, you know, not, not that they're saying we know for sure he owned it, but we found it in our father's drawer. It's probably our father's. What do you mean it's yours? Now, the Dayan knows. So again, the, are the principles of the burden of proof is on the person who he seeks to extract. So this guy has no right to the watch. He has no proof, there's no no, no no witnesses, no evidence, no nothing. But he's giving a sign that it's his and he wasn't in the guest in the house normally and the Dayan knows, the Dayan knows this guy who passed away, he's not the kind of person who would have a Rolex. He wasn't wealthy, he wasn't into watches. The Dayan is convinced that, no, I don't think this Rolex belongs to the guy who passed away. I think it belongs to this guy who's giving the... The, the signs. He has the right to take it away from the heirs and give it to this guy who's saying it's his who gives the proper signs. And similarly in all situations. Now you remember we learned in previous halachas it's because of this reason to prevent this from happening that at a certain scenario where we want to give a certain asset for safeholding to orphans we use a gold nugget. Which you really can't you can't give like a sign of of any 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 designating mark. So this what scenario, like a piece a, a raw piece of gold, okay. unformed. So it's not something you could give like a sign specifically that, that there's a scratch or a mark that would enable you to do this trick. Uh-huh. So to prevent this possibility, we looked previously in Hilchos Nachalas where we where we uh, if to recall correctly if that was there or maybe it was Shelipikoden where we prevent this from happening. But anyway, okay. Because the, all these matters are given over to the heart of the judge, based on what he sees to be true. If that's the case, if all this is true, why does the terrorist say to use two witnesses? We don't need two witnesses, all we need is the dying is the tuition. The answer to that question is very simple. When you have two witnesses in front of the judge, Testifying, you're den You testify based on what they say. Alpiyish any a day in beemis he do a shak. Even he has no idea if the testifying true or false. Dine has no idea. I have no clue. I don't know these people. The guy's are visiting Ruventown. in town. This is the court case. They say we want you to, to to preside the court case. Fine. I don't know you. I don't know you. These two witnesses are kosher Jews are saying testimony. I'm going to assume it's true unless I know otherwise. Right? Okay. Base. Everything we said so far in Halacha Aleph is the essential letter of the law. That was how it was originally, if you will, so sort to of speak, mm-hmm. when Torah was given. However, when it became common, unfortunately, to have, have uh, courts that were not the most, uh, you know, God-fearing. And, uh, uh, Hagunim means correct, upstanding, Honest. yeah. Even if they were upstanding in their deeds... They, they were God-fearing They weren't, you know, uh, intellectually uh, bright, and, they, and maybe they were making mistakes And errors in the judgment in these scenarios It became an agreement across the majority of the Jewish world Of Jewish courts That they're not going to take the oath The privilege to make an oath and defend yourself, for example Or make an oath and extract whatever case it is. is They're not going to tr- give that right to the other litigant unless there's clear proof of some sort that the guy is not qualified to uh, swear or there's a clear proof that there's monkey business over here rather than just intuition. And for that matter, they're not going to question the validity of a shtar unless there's solid testimony uh, as it would false. be. Uh, no, in the case of the shtar, that wouldn't be the case. I don't know if that's true. That's, if that's... Uh, suspect of taking a false oath, it says here. In parenthesis. That's the previous case that's going on. Same thing applies to all similar scenarios. The dying should not judge based on what he is, thinks on his intuition or his own awareness now, in other words, which is unique because even the dying knows something to be true based on whatever it is, He shouldn't judge based on that so that not every simpleton should say (laughs) my heart tells me this is true my heart relies on this and they're not really going to be so exact. Okay? Now the dying is still allowed to even nowadays use his awareness and his knowledge mind you by the way. So for example if I'm sitting over here and somebody grabs your glasses off your face and says it's mine you promised to give them to me I'm keeping them and you say no I promised to give them to you but uh, I changed my mind. And they turn to me and say, I want me to judge the court case. That's fine. I could do that. Even though I saw what happened. The point is that it's his, it's his knowledge, what he was told, rather than, <clears throat> rather than what he saw. Similarly, you don't extract property from orphans. When someone passes away and someone comes along and says, Hey, the guy who passed away, this and this item is mine. You don't take it away from them unless you have clear proof not on the judge's knowledge, nor based on, as we said before, what the the estimation of what the financial status of the person who passed away or the person who's saying it's his, right? All these things we don't do. We just go with the basic dry law, right? The burden of proof rests upon the person who wants to extract. So with the Rolex watch case, if he has witnesses that it was his, or witnesses who saw him give it in for safekeeping, or a contract—that's fine. Otherwise, we say sorry. <laughs> nonetheless. If someone testifies in any of these situations, <laughs> the dying believes that he's saying the truth, the Dian, let's say, one guy tells him, "Hey, the guy who wants to make a shvua, he's not—he's not really trustworthy to make a shvua. He's likely to make a shvua falsely. I once remember he made a shvua falsely, things like that." Mom, to Dain has should be very deliberate in the judgment. But he, and he shouldn't just dismiss the guy's testimony, right? Or let's see even if it's a woman, and they should he should keep you know the process growing going a litigation until one of them eventually admits to what the witness says, or they will event they they will make a, a compromise. Oh, if none of those is possible, and the judge is afraid he's going to end up doing an incorrect. Causing someone to pay incorrectly or, 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 or be uh, vindicated incorrectly. He has the right to say, you know what? I'm not judging this case. I'm not comfortable. How could a judge withdraw from a, withdraw from a case? Right. Remember, we learned that once you know what the law is, you have to rule, right? Yeah. But that's only if the reason why you want to withdraw is because you're afraid that one of the guys is a bully, he's going to harass you. When you want to withdraw because you don't feel that, you're, that they're confident you can judge the case correctly because you don't feel the evidence is strong enough to make the right outcome, he's allowed to withdraw. That's what we're going to learn. Yeah. Yeah. Gimel. And, ta- and, and he refers them to a different diet, perhaps. Yeah. Okay. Like therapy, right? Therapist says, you know, I'm, I'm not, I don't feel you know, comfortable you know, doing this type of therapy with this person. I'll refer them to somebody else. Yeah. Gimel. And how do we know that if a dying knows for certain? Now he suspects. He knows the din is is uh, basically a, a trick. He shouldn't say, Listen, you know, I know these two guys are lying, these two witnesses. Right? Because they're saying, we saw this guy, for example, borrow money from this guy at this day and this time. In this location. In New York. The Dayan knows he saw those two guys in Israel at that time. They couldn't be. They must, they must be lying. But he has no. He, ha, he doesn't have two witnesses to prove it, though. So the Dayan says, "Listen, I'm going to rule according to what the law is. Vidya Let the witnesses that the, the, the you know bear the responsibility. So to speak, it's an expression of the guilt. It's their avera. I'm doing what the law is. Talmud Don't do that. The Torah tells us stand. Keep away from false false judgment." What should, what should he do then in that case? He should cross examine the witnesses very intensely, the way you would for a capital case. And if he ends up seeing that, you know, it seems that actually it's not a, a, a crooked case, then he'll, he'll, he'll rule based on what the witnesses. is. If, however, he comes to the conclusion, even after his intense cross examination, that there is. What's the expression? Monkey business, yeah. Or for that matter, he doesn't have any clear proof that it's contrived, but he's he's uh, not happy with the witnesses. He doesn't. He doesn't. They don't. They, 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 something smells off to him. Mm-hmm. Even though, remember, even though he's not able to simply disqualify them, right? Because halacha alif, said he could disqualify them. Because he, dying can rule based on his intuition. But nowadays, you don't just disqualify them based on intuition, as we said, because nowadays the courts are not disqualified. But still, so, so, um, so if he sees there's a problem over here, even though he can't disqualify them. Or, should or if the judge gets the feeling, this guy, this litigant is the tricker. <coughs> he tricked the witnesses. Even though they are kosher and they are testifying based on their own genu- genuineness, that he this other litigant um, tricked them? So, for example, example: the witness is testifying. We saw this person hand that person a hundred dollars, but the judge feels like the 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 the, the litigant set the witnesses up. To make it look like he lent him a hundred dollars, when really all he did was he asked him to hold it for him. For example, you know, some way he oh, was able to treat decrease. the witness. He pretended. Yeah. the cloud some of the context. There's something else going on that's confusing or uh, uh, obscure. She no, some and, and uh, they don't want to say it in all these scenarios, even though the, the judge has no proof that there's a problem, also he's not allowed to rule in that case. In fact, he's not allowed to rule in that case, right? In the Allah base, we said he should he's allowed to you know remove himself. Over here, where there's a strong conviction there's a problem, he should remove himself. he should what's the term when a judge says I'm not recluse. Rec- 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 recuse, recuse. Recuse. recuse himself, right? Recu- recluse means to put yourself in isolation, yeah. Recuse himself from the case. Let somebody else who feels more confident judge it, right? Now, mind you, that's a case where, where somebody is trying to extract money and the dying feels that that extraction would be illegitimate. But if it's a case where somebody is trying to defend themselves and, and not pay back money and the dying feels he really owes the money, if the dying recuses himself, this guy is going to get away with not paying back the loan. So yeah, he, he can't accuse himself. He has to go and continue the process until he's able to let the truth come out. Okay. The Apostle says, judgment is Hashem's, which means, like we learned before, right? The, why is this judge accusing himself? Is it, a legitimate, is it legitimate that he's doing so because he feels he can't judge correctly? Or is it because he's afraid of one of the litigants? So Hashem knows the truth. That's what this means. Alternatively, it means Hashem is going to help him come to the right judgment. Okay. One second, one second. That's, that was monetary money cases, right? Now let's go on to a little bit more interesting things. It's not, that, a, little more, a little more interesting in the sense that it's unusual, you might imagine. Because we're not talking about money anymore. Is this God's judgment at the end? I explain what that means. Yeah, the, the, the Hashem knows if he's recusing himself for legitimate reason or if he's for doing it for non-legitimate reason. Hmm. Or you could also understand it to mean that Hashem will help him come to the right conclusion. Okay. The court has a right to give lashes, to, to, to hit somebody who is not technically speaking obligated to receive lashes. And to kill someone else we'll explain in a moment about even someone who's not really liable for the death penalty. <laughs> wow. Not because the court has the right to transgress the Torah, God forbid. They're doing it as a way to impose a, a, a strong message about the importance of keeping the Torah. So, when the court sees, for example, that people become very lax about something, they have a right to create a scenario, a, 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 a safeguard as they see fit, as a temporary measure. They can't make it established law. But circumstantially, you know, so, um, so for example, you have something in a classroom, right? When things get really out of hand, teacher makes a rule. Anybody gets up out of their seat, right, Anybody else? who gets out of their, up out of their seat during class right, loses their whole recess for a week, right? That's, the, that's, that's how we kind of make that message very strong and then, and then things go back to normal. Okay, a kid gets, gets out of his seat once in a while, it happens. But when it gets so out of hand, you have to kind of come down, come down with a hammer, so to speak, yeah? But here's some historical examples. They also have a right, by the way, to impose monetary punishment, like fines. If anybody talks during davening, $100 fine, right, for example, right? There's is, this is a story that somebody had a relationship with his wife under a tree. Now, having a relationship with your wife is not one of, the, one of the situations where someone gets lashed, obviously. And doing it in public is obviously considered not modest. But they gave him lashes as a measure because people were being too, too, too uh, free-for-all in, with, uh, with uh, uh, inappropriate behavior. It happened during the days of the Greeks, meaning the days when the Greeks ruled the land of Israel, that there was somebody who rode a horse on Shabbos, they brought him to court, and they stoned him to death. Riding a horse on Shabbos is a rabbinic prohibition. Why would they, <coughs> they stone him to death? Because it was becoming so widespread to not observe, observe the Shabbos, because the Greeks actually forbade observing Shabbos, that... That doesn't mean, though, that a person has to go ride a horse in public on Shabbos. So he was becoming, he was becoming so lax that they felt the need to punish him that way. Shimon ben Shatach came to the city of Ashkelon, the southern, which is, I believe, the south of Eretz well. Maybe it's north. I forgot where it is. Okay, I think it's north, actually. Anyways, he came there. Yeah, I think it's in the north of so, right? Yeah, he came there and he stole and he and he. Uh, well, Ashkelon is south of Israel. is it? okay south, right. so he hung, and hanging, by the way, is not a method of killing in, Jew- in Jewish law. Usually, so it, it seems that he um, he hung them eighty women. Yeah, he hung eighty women in one day who were guilty of death penalty. The sin they were very common to do those women was witchcraft, which is a death penalty. Of terror. Now, according to the Torah, to kill someone who who practices witchcraft. Idolatrous witchcraft, you can be liable of execution. A person can be liable of execution. However, you have to have two witnesses. They have to warn them. There has to be a whole process. You can't kill more than one person in one day, you remember? One person per day. He did 80 in one shot, you know, like a military trial, court martial, right? Because of the, uh, it was getting so out of hand. Oh, they didn't have over there all the cross examination and warnings. This was nor clear testimony. It was based on the a, a, a temporary measure because it was getting so out of hand. Bez <laughs> in every place and every time, even nowadays, in Ramam's times, right, has the right to hit, give someone lashes. Even though there's no te- clear testimony, there's just a very strong rumor that he's being inappropriate. The people are frequently talking about him that he is transgressing forbidden relationships. Provided that it's a very accepted rumor. It's like you know, understood rumor. <laughs> As we explained, the is referring to what he explained in Hilchas Saita, about what's considered considered a undisputed rumor. <laughs> you shouldn't have enemies who are tail-bearing, spreading rumors about him. Similarly, this person who's acting appropriately, we are allowed to embarrass him, even though you're not supposed to embarrass another Jew without clear evidence, clear proof. If he have clear proof he sinned, then there's legitimate reason to, to shame him, to rebuke him in public if necessary, etc. But here there's no clear evidence. But it's an understood rumor, because remember, there's only, there's only one person at a time saw him do each, each time something else. Or he told one person at a time, there's, there's no clear testimony, still we're allowed to shame him if, if necessary. And we're allowed to uh, uh, shame his mother in his presence, in the sense of, as a way to kind of shame him at of his behavior. A very interesting way of, of convincing a person to change their behavior, right? has a giant has the right to declare property belongs to somebody ownerless, and he has the right to give money from one person to another and to declare the money ownerless based on what he sees is necessary to um, to rebuild the fences of the religion and to and to strengthen the the, the uh, the, uh, the necessity of ju- bedek literally means the, the, the structure but, but in this case it means the, the correction of, ju- of, of, of Yiddishkeit or for the purposes of punishing a bully as an example of this we find in Tanakh by Ezra anybody who does not come According to the uh, the minister 's advice in this, in, over there when Ezra wanted to bring the Jewish people together, we will declare his property ownerless we see after when the court declares something ownerless, it is ownerless time The court has the right to put someone in excommunication, even though, according to the strict letter of the law he 's not guilty of that in order to correct the the, uh, the the breach of, of correct uh, that's been breached as the dynasty is necessary as the hour demands. And the Dayan should say that the reason why he's doing it is based on the it's based on the Dayan's um uh the Dayan's judgment. So this way the guy will realize and, and, and know what to how to correct how to correct his conduct. If I'm and publicizes transgression, Shemar it says this is a pasuk from the famous song of Devorah after Devorah fought the general Sisra, we have this is the Haftarah uh, uh, um, I believe Parashat B'Shalach uh, if I'm not mistaken right uh, and uh, it says <laughs> the angel of Hashem says cursed is Meraz Meraz was a person or a town that did not join the war so, and so we're saying that we're cursing them publicly for their sin of not joining the, the war the war effort. May those who live there or, or live with him be cursed. They did not come to help the, the help of Hashem's people. Okay. So we see that cursing somebody in public for their transgression, in this case transgression of omission rather than commission, is legitimate. The dying has a right to pick a bone, create a fight with somebody who is appropriate to do so, to pull his hair, and to, make, and to uh, administer an oath to him against his will, also, he did not do this, or, he did, or, or, or did not do something in the past, and he's lying about it, or he won't do it in the future, Shemrat says, again, this is, this is from Khamya. according to many opinions, Ezra and Nehem were the same person, I, I uh, fought with them, and I cursed them, I hit the people among them, and I, the I tore their hair out. them swear by uh, the name of Hashem. So uh, he, could, he could say, "I'm forcing you. I'm an oath upon you in Hashem's name. But if you're lying about what what this is, then meat is forbidden for you forever. And every time he eats meat, he's, he's transgressing that oath, even though he didn't say it. It was imposed upon him by the Bezdin. Meat is for For example, different ways of of, of convincing. Yeah, of, of uh, whatever he, whatever whatever it is that he wants to use as a as leverage. We have a right to, to tie up his hands and feet. But This is interesting. And to lock him in jail. Generally speaking, in Tyre, there's no concept of prison. This is a rare occasion we have in Torah, according to the Ramam at least, a scenario where we use prison as a deterrent. I believe it's the only the Ramam who holds of this, actually. Other, other opinions understand the Gemara a bit differently. To push him, to drag him on the ground. B'Shemer, it says, hey, uh, 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 to be executed, to be uprooted, or to be punished by a loss of property, to be put in jail. These are all different. Uh, this, this is what the king of Persia is telling Ezra. He gave Ezra the position of the governor of the Jews of the land of Israel, and he has that right, and Ezra actually used it. Yud. Call Elu HaDvarim, all these matters, based on what the judge sees, the our demands. And as necessary. The Yumas should always do his deeds for the sake of heaven. Don't uh, take so lightly the honor of people, in this case Jewish people, but in general, cover the humans. Because we find that the need to honor someone's dignity displaces a prohibition of the, of the rabbonon, There's such situation, a where there's a prohibition rabbinically, for example, in case of what a, a mourner cannot do certain things or a Kohen cannot do certain things and that's pushed aside for the sake of human dignity as in various scenarios. The Cholshek covered Kavad B'Av certainly the Kavad of the children of avim the of deres who generally hold true to the theory of truth. She is Zara and very careful not to erode their honor. The only reason why the judge should do any of these things is only to add honor to Hashem. She call him a vaz because anybody who, who honors the Torah, in other words, we have to be careful with Hashem's honor and people's honor, but Hashem's honor comes first. Because anybody who, who disgraces the Torah, Gufib B'chol al-Briyas will be disgraced. His, his person is, is disgraced by humans, and therefore it's legitimate to do these things. However, whoever honors the Torah conversely, Gufib B'chol al is honored by his person is honored by people. The honor of the Torah is to to follow its laws and rules, and therefore it's appropriate to to decrease the honor of a human in order to increase uh, a temporary measure, uh, in order to increase the honor of the Torah.